0: let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your goodness. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us this morning. Lord, use my feeble human efforts to somehow communicate above humanity to what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm Don Beecham. I'm the pastor of Cross-Cultural Outreach here at Grace. And while Gary is away, Uh, for a bit. Uh, I'm pleased to be able to to speak today. You know, in my role as a pastor for our overseas workers, I get to travel to many different places around the world and I get to see how different people view God and, and interact with the spirit world. In fact, here's some pictures of what I sometimes see in my travels. This is a woman, a Tibetan Buddhist woman who's spinning a prayer wheel hoping that somehow she will gain merit by the number of times that she spins that prayer wheel. Next, this is a Buddhist god of death. Next is a Hindu god, Ganesh, that many of the Hindu religion venerate. And then here's an African animist shaman who hopes to ward off evil spirits by his many rituals. And even in Islam, we see, in their view, a God that is mostly impersonal, punishing, and unapproachable. But in biblical Christianity, we see a God that is quite different, quite unique, from all these other religions and faith practices that are either trying to appease spirits or somehow gain merit with God. In the scriptures, we learn of the one true God who has an unchanging character, whose attributes include, what are they? Shout them out. What attributes of God do you know? Love, long-suffering, Compassion, judgment, holiness. There's many that we see in Scripture about the one true God. But I believe that there is one attribute of God which really all the others flow out of, and that is His goodness. Because I believe that at His core, God is good. So let's look at some scriptures that talk about the goodness of God. Let's start with Psalm 100. This is a great psalm coming into worship. Let's read this. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. And we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. Why? For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. That's our God. That's the God we worship. That should inspire us every time we come into church on Sunday, and even when we're not in a corporate gathering, even just in our own devotional time with the Lord. Read Psalm 100. You want to be encouraged about the God that we worship and serve. Let's take a look at Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, Jesus affirmed the goodness of God, In Mark chapter 10, verse 17, it says, And as he was setting out, Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And in Psalm 119, verse 68, you know that psalm that every verse declares the greatness of the, uh, the Scriptures and the Word of God? It says this about God. Psalm 119, 68. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. And in that verse, really, we see the two aspects of God's goodness. They're inseparable. Everything that God does is good because... He is good. In fact, God cannot do a not good thing because He is goodness. I believe that God's goodness is really the central aspect of His nature. Out of it comes all the other attributes that we just talked about. God loves because He is good. God is holy because he is good. God is just and righteous because he is good. God is forgiving and merciful because he is good. Really, it's just like light. You learned this in science class right in high school. Light is the combination of all the colors. So when all the colors come together, you get light. And I believe that's what goodness is. Goodness is the essence of all God's attributes. God is good. Now there's this amazing encounter that we see in Exodus chapter 33 and 34 between Moses and God. And Moses is receiving the 10 Commandments on Mount Sinai and he's really learning a lot about God. And he has this unique conversation and fellowship with God. And at the end of it, he cries out. You can almost feel just his his heartfelt desire to know this God even more. And he says, God, let me see your glory. And God agrees to show Moses his glory. But listen to how God describes his glory. Let's take a look at Exodus 33, verses 18-18 and 19 Moses said please show me your glory and God said I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name Yahweh Do you see what God is saying there what's his glory his goodness when Moses wanted to see his glory God said I will cause all my goodness to pass before you. So the goodness of God is what we want to dwell on this morning. We want to think about it because I believe that many, even believers, really misunderstand the central characteristic of our God. And really it affects how we live and how we see the world around us and how we interact in our relationship with God. So let's look at two things. Let's look at how we really understand the goodness of God, and then how we experience the goodness of God. First of all, how do we understand His goodness? See, I think there's a mistake that we often make in our definition of goodness. We relate God being good to God being nice. We relate God being good to God being pleasant. It's a bit like, you know, he's the big Santa Claus in the sky. That's what we think about God's goodness. But that is not what his goodness means. The goodness of God is his moral virtue. It's his pure excellence. It's his absolute rejection of Of evil. You see, God's goodness is actually the opposite, the antithesis of evil. And it's in that moral excellence that God must punish sin. He cannot allow unrighteousness in His presence, where He's not good. In fact, when you keep reading in Exodus 34, when God reveals His goodness to Moses, and proclaims his name if You read those next few verses you'll see this aspect come out he says yes I'm compassionate and merciful and forgiving and I punish sin so God's judgment is just as much a part of his goodness as his mercy did you get that God's judgment is just as much a part of His goodness as His mercy. The other mistake that we often make is that we judge the character of God, in other words His goodness, by the circumstances and events of our lives and what we see in the world. And that is a mistake. We cannot judge the character of God by our circumstances, or by the events of our lives, or what we see in the world. But we do that a lot, don't we? When things are going great, what do we say? God is good. But when things are not going great, are we declaring His goodness? When things are bad, are we saying, God is good? No, we often base God's goodness on whether it feels good to us. So we look at things that are happening that are bad, either to us or, or in the world, maybe a, a tragic accident, maybe an uncured illness. How about 12 boys in a coach trapped in a cave in Thailand? Which, by the way, I heard this morning that two of them are out. How about an earthquake that hits and kills hundreds of men, women, and children? And we say, how can a good God allow this to happen? You know, last week, Steve preached an awesome message. And he made the point at the beginning of his message that many people turn away from following Jesus because of their disappointment with other people in the church. Well, I want to suggest to you that I think there's an equally valid reason that a lot of people turn away from following God, following Christ, or even coming to Him because they're disappointed in God. Because something has happened in their life that they thought God should take care of, and He didn't. So they became disappointed in Him, and they've turned away. But to say that a good God shouldn't allow bad things to happen means that we are not thinking biblically. If we believe that a good God should not ever allow bad things to happen, we're just not thinking biblically. Let's review the reality of the world according to the scriptures. And Brian actually covered the first few of my points in his communion devotional. First point, there's seven. God made a good world because He is good. Read Genesis chapter 1. After each stage of creation, what does it say? God looked at His creation and said, it is good. God cannot make an ungood thing. So God made a good world because He's good. Second, God gave our ancestors free will to choose to live under His goodness. Point three, but they chose to reject living under His goodness. Evil entered the world, and our world came under the rule of Satan. Infected with sin, the human race race lost its good standing with God. Point four, humanity and creation now struggle with evil, loss, destruction, and death. It's not a pretty picture. So when something bad happens, is it God's fault? No, it's not God's fault. But thankfully, it doesn't end there because God is good. And so He ordained a way to destroy evil and deliver humanity if they choose. So let's go on with our review. Point five, God in humanity, Jesus, of His own free will, took all our sin, shame, and guilt, and was punished to death. His payment for sin can be claimed by anyone who voluntarily submits their life to His goodness. Isn't that good news? That is good news. Point six, this good news message must travel to all people everywhere before Jesus returns to completely destroy Satan and restore our world to its original goodness. Now here's where Our lives come in and our experiences, point seven. In the meantime, until that happens, humanity and creation still struggle with evil, loss, destruction, and death. But those submitted to Jesus have God's supernatural spirit to help them. This is the reality of our world And this is the reality and the framework and the perspective in which we must live our lives and view our circumstances and view the events of our lives and of the world. So why does God sometimes come in and intervene in some situations and in other situations He doesn't? I don't know. And there's no pat answer for that. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? I don't know. But I know this, our world is still operating under an evil system. And it's in a fallen state. Our world is messed up. But when bad things happen, we don't blame God. We cling to God. Just like in that video from last week, I think many of you remember the story Don and Sherry Barr told last week, tragic death of their son struck by lightning. They prayed. God didn't save him. But Don and Sherry didn't blame God. They didn't shake their fist at God and turn away. Instead, they testified of God's presence in that moment, carrying them through that tragedy. That's the attitude we need to have. See, trials, troubles, hurts, and tragedies are not God's fault, but He uses them to test us and bring us to maturity. Let's read James chapter 1. See what James says about this. James 1, verses 2 to 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing." And verse 12, "'Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him.'" Another way to look at this is is through the eyes of a parent and child. When that parent is taking their child to the doctor's office, to get a shot, to combat some illness. So, you know, I remember when I was young, of course, I was raised in West Africa. My parents were missionaries. And so that meant that we traveled a lot, that we lived in many places that had lots of diseases. And so there was always, every year, a long regimen of immunizations and shots that we all had to get. And I remember as just a little kid, you know, four or five years old, my mom would take me into the clinic and, you know, <laughs> there's the nurse or the doctor and all the needles are lined up on the table. Oh. And so, you know, one after the other, you know, they rub your arm and... and. uh You know, when they would give me the shot, I would open my mouth to start to yell out or cry. And as soon as I opened my mouth, my mom, who was holding me, would pop a sugar cube in it. (laughs) Next shot, Ah! in goes another sugar cube. Oh, mm -hmm. well, okay. (laughs) Okay, parents, don't don't do this at home or, you know, with your kids. My wife says that's why I'm addicted to sugar now. So was that parent being mean when they took their child to the doctor? Did that child understand at three, four years old why pain was being inflicted upon them? Did that child blame their parent? No, usually the child clings to their parent, right? The child doesn't understand why the parent is allowing them to experience this pain but it's for a reason. It's for their ultimate good. And the child needs to trust that the parent knows the best for, knows what's best for them and is, always has their best in mind. And that's how we need to see God. So how do we experience the goodness of God? It's one thing to try to understand it, to reason it out in our minds but it's another to actually experience His goodness. I want to suggest three ways this morning that we experience the goodness of God. First of all, we experience His goodness by surrendering to Jesus. Now, hopefully, all of you in this room have done that. But if not, just as Brian encouraged us in the communion devotional, this is the time to submit your life to God and His goodness, and be delivered from the grip of evil. Come under the rule of a good God, and we do that by surrendering our lives to Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20 has a rather startling statement. For all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. Think about that. All the promises of God find their yes in Christ. Apart from Christ, no one has access to all the promises of God. So we must submit our lives to him. You cannot have any of the promises of God apart from Christ. He is our only hope for experiencing the forever goodness of God. So if you have not turned to Him, today is the day to turn to Christ and experience the goodness of God. The second way we experience His goodness is by being grateful. Be a grateful person. 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Chronicles chapter 16 Verse 34 says this, "O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. If you read the Psalms, you won't read into the Psalms very long before you're reading this statement repeated over and over. "O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, His steadfast or loyal love endures forever. So we keep an eternal and a heavenly perspective on life. Let's read Psalm 100 again, verses 4 and 5. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. God is good. He has done so much for us. He's given us Many good things. Think about it. You have taste buds because God is good. You have muscles to smile because God is good. You can laugh because God is good. You can love because God is good. You You have energy and you have rest because God is good. Just spend some time thinking through all of the things that you have, that you experience, because God is good. He didn't have to do that. Think about how He made us to enjoy life, to experience good things. He is good. And not only that, not only the tangible wonders that we experience in life but he has saved our soul he's given us eternal life in heaven with him that is beyond good god is so good he's done so much for us you know i i would have to say that as a grandfather i'm experiencing the goodness of god in new ways I remember being younger and, and I would be around, you know, grandparents and they were always talking about their grandkids and how wonderful it was being a grandparent and, and I was kind of like, I don't get it. You know what what's the big deal? Yeah, okay. And then I became a grandfather. And I want to tell you, it is the best. Just wait. <laughs> it is wonderful. And I'm experiencing the goodness of God in a new way that I I never knew about. I never experienced before. There is great joy in so much of life. i got to show you this this picture. God is good. He gave me six wonderful grandchildren. Here's two of them. Now, I, I love this picture because... This is Addie and Kaylee, uh, Caleb and Breeze, two two girls. And so they were at our house one day and they decided that grandpa needed a new hairstyle. And so Addie being the uh, beautician, the fancy one, she decided to work on my hair. And when she was done, she proudly posed just to show off what a great job she done. And Kaylee is examining me just to see if I meet with her approval. <laughs> okay. I, I, that's my favorite picture. I had to show it. You know, there's a, there's a way of looking at life that we can somehow also compare with cats and dogs. I call it cat and dog theology. So here's the dog. The dog looks at his master and he says, you can put this picture up. The dog looks at his master and, and the dog says, Wow, you, you feed me, you, you take care of me, you take me on walks, you, you're with me, you, you love me, you must be God. The cat, on the other hand, looks at their master and says, you feed me, you take care of me, you meet my every needs, I must be God. may I encourage us to be like the dog? (laughs) To be grateful people who look at God and what He's done for us and are thankful. Well, the third way that we experience the goodness of, of God is by trusting Him, trusting that He's good even when things are bad. So even when things are bad, We can trust in a good God. We can be at peace in the middle of a storm because we know the truth of Psalm 46. Psalm 46, verse 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You know, there are so many verses in the Scriptures That talk about trouble, that talk about difficulty, that talk about struggle. Don't be listening to people that say, you know, you come to Christ and life is going to be easy. You don't see that in Scripture. What you see in Scripture is life is hard, run to God. God doesn't deliver us and remove all of the troubles from our lives, but what He does do is promise to be with us, to give us peace, to encourage us, to never leave us, to be the strength we need to make it through that trouble. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its dwelling, we can be at peace in the midst of a storm. Because we're following a God that is good doesn't mean that our lives are always going to be pleasant and nice or pain-free. But it does mean that we can be at peace that He is with us, He will never leave us. So we look for His goodness in the middle of the trial, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the bad. He is always faithful to show His goodness. Let me encourage you to do this. You're in a trial, you're in a difficulty, you're in something that you want to be delivered from, look for God's goodness in the middle of that trial. It's going to be there. He's going to show Himself to you. Ask Him. If you don't see it yet, keep asking. God, where are you in this trial? He promises to show up and be faithful to you in the middle of every trial. That goodness that He shows you in the trial is the sign that His presence and His peace are never going to leave you even if the trial isn't taken away. Uh, several months ago, our house flooded under the kitchen floor. We had a leak, it's a and beam, and we had a leak and we didn't know about it, and so by the time we found it, our, our kitchen floor had to be replaced and and the drywall had been affected and basically the whole kitchen had to be gutted. Well. People do that, right? They get their houses remodeled after floods, no big deal. Except in our case, it became a big deal. It's been a trial. It's been one problem after the other. This started last November. Uh, We're still not back in our house. Uh, It's been a disaster after a disaster. I tell people when they ask me about it, I start talking about it. I don't want to talk about it because I just feel my blood pressure rising. (laughs) Which is a sign that I'm not relying on the peace of God. But you know what? First of all, it's hardly a trial. But even in that kind of a trial that is frustrating and stressful, we have a place to live. God provided us, miraculously really, a place that we could move into indefinitely, and we thought it was gonna just be for a month or two, and now we've been there almost a year, but you know what? God provided that for us long before that leak happened. He saw what was gonna happen, he knew we were gonna have to move out, and he provided a place for us. And we can be there until our house is ready, even if it's not till, I'm not even gonna say. (laughs) How about next week? (laughs) But, you know, when, when Pamela and I start feeling the stress, the blood pressure rising, we have to stop and say, wait a minute. Is God good? He's good. Look what He did for us. So in the middle of the trial, we look for God's goodness. And what that tells us is He's with us. He's carrying us. He's enabling us. To handle the trial. And lastly, we remind ourselves of His past goodness to us. How many of you in this room, raise your hand, if you can tell a story of God's goodness in your life? You could tell a story of God's goodness in your life. We all can, can't we? Every one of us can testify of a time that God was so good to us. So tell that story, tell that story to someone. When someone comes to you and they're under it and they're slogging through a difficulty and they're wondering if God is good, tell your story. Tell your story to yourself. When you start getting discouraged, when you start questioning, is God really good? Remind yourself of what he's already done for you Tell that story of how he came through for you. We need to always remember the goodness of God in the land of the living. Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14, says this I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Well, we're going to close today with, with a song celebrating God's goodness and giving Him praise. Joey and the, and the team, you guys come on up. And we, we are going to enter into just a time of praising Him for His goodness because God is good. Now, I know that, uh, you know, sometimes when we say that, how do we respond? God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. I hope that that never becomes just kind of a, a trite saying or a, an automatic response you don't think about whenever you, you do that in the future. When somebody comes to you and says, God is good, and you say all the time, stop and say, wait, that is true. I'm not just saying words. I'm speaking truth. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. I know that for some of you in this room, you might be struggling with whether God really is good to you at this time in your life. And that's normal. That's part of our human experience to question, to doubt, and to wonder about God's goodness. What I have to say to you this morning is, don't give up. Don't give up on God. Wait on His goodness. Cry out to Him. Ask Him to show you His goodness, even in your trial. And if you have a hard time even entering into this song, because you're struggling with that, can I encourage you, either just at your seat there, or if you want to come up front, come up and just kneel and ask God to reveal Himself to you. Pour out your heart to Him. Nobody's gonna come up and, and bother you. That, this can be a time between you and the Lord for you to pour out your heart to Him. But let's all stand up and Joey and the team are gonna lead us in a song of praise. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. Amen. God, you are good. Yes. You are good. We trust yes. your goodness, Lord. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Yes. Cause us, Lord, to be those who declare your goodness this week in all the places that you send us. Amen. May your name be glorified in our lives. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.